Spags, I survived California, and you will even be happy to know I was able to watch the game on the plane. Southwest came in clutch. I'm actually not happy to know that. <laughs> we are going to talk about that big Chiefs-Bills game, a sad one for our boy Josh Allen. We're going to do the divisional round recap, talk about all the fantasy ramifications of those four games this weekend, the greatest divisional round ever. We are going to do some welcome to the family today, and we're even going to go around underdog at some of the sports books after to find the best bets and games that you could still be taking advantage of right now in the NFL streets. So, Pete, let's hit that intro. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I am Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend and mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how was your, your travel weekend in Lake Tahoe? Uh, it was good. It was a super fun weekend. I uh, got to meet up with a bunch of my college buddies. All of uh, the flights and travel stuff went well. And, uh, and yeah, so uh, I had a rough morning this morning. I landed in Boston at like 5 a.m., um, and so I was pretty wiped out, but snuck in a nap and, uh, and now we're back at the battle station. Did you do any, uh, any betting or DFS for yourself over the weekend? Yeah, it was, it was funny too. Cause like the way we do this group trip is we all just like do group bets. So our, our interests are fully aligned. So each game we would pick, you know, a money line spread or a little parlay. We were firing the underdog pickums. Um, and we actually did well, like our group purse doubled up, uh, on this trip, which is, uh, is rare for us when we're drunk and, and making bets. Uh, but I also had a, a degen moment, uh, yesterday where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to take DFS off this weekend. And then I saw the overlay on the Yahoo baller two game contest. So I ripped in 20 lineups into that quickly uploading my lineups and stuff like that. So I, I did relapse, but otherwise, uh, was mostly uh, non DFS. That is definitely a level of DFS to Jenning where you're like, Yahoo's got overlay, man. I would love to <laughs> play this weekend. But look, I, I would like a Yahoo sponsorship, and I think they're doing a great job with overlay over there, Pete. So uh, your personal testimonial, maybe our own ad money. Well, look, I mean, I enjoy playing on DraftKings, but they've never uh, given me a cent. I mean, if Yahoo wants to toss the bag at us, we could, we could go exclusive Yahoo DFS. It'll be like DraftKings FanDuel? What are they? JJ won't <laughs> be on the show. We'll have whatever the JJ equivalent on Yahoo is. I guess that'd be like Matt Harmon. So we could actually, we could make this work. We could. Uh, Yahoo, if you're listening, uh, we are available for hire. Our, our ears. We're doing the, the Cody Rhodes listening gift that people might know out there. But we appreciate all you guys hanging out with us today. If you are watching live or after the after the fact, please hit that like button. It helps us out a bunch. Subscribe to the Peach channel. Subscribe to the Splash Play channel. The Yahoo testimonials coming in from DFS Texas, who's never lost money on Yahoo. That is a uh, co-sign there. I shouldn't mix them in with the ad reads, I guess. Because that's Now we're giving it for them for free. And we all know, Pete, you can't buy the cow if you're getting the milk for free. That is correct. Joshua asked me about my California burritos. Um, it was uh, euphoric. It was incredible. I ended up, I had a really late dinner on, it must've been Wednesday night. And so when I flew into San Diego, I had gone all day without eating and I was primed for a double California burrito order at uh, my favorite burrito shop. And uh, it, it delivered. It's as good as it's uh, ever been. Are you going to do the thing where you don't tell people the burrito shop because that's like a personal vibe and you don't want to no. share it? <laughs> No, Ortiz's. Yeah, the the one right by my university is their original location in Point Loma, and then they opened one up in Pacific Beach as well. And I do true. I've had a bunch of burritos across SoCal. I'm sure you've had a, a lot, even the San Francisco mission style stuff. But I truly think uh, Ortiz's California burrito uh, in San Diego is the best burrito in the world. And also, uh, Fila in the chat, uh, presumably a Philadelphia fan, can confirm it is possible to lose money on Yahoo. <laughs> <laughs> so fair and balanced, Pete. That's what we have to be on this show. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I mean, the Yahoo one was sweet because not only was it already a rake free contest, but then I think it was like three to 4,000 entries short of filling. So, um, yeah, it was very hard to lose money in that specific contest this weekend. All right, so let's get into the divisional recap. But first, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Football Outsiders who help us put on this show every week and also uh, responsible for my paycheck. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. 99 cents a week are the packages on there. We're having some intense planning meetings behind the scenes for our FO draft content. That's really exciting. Going to be doing an FO 40 uh, profiling the real life draft prospects that matter. And we're also doing the fantasy side where our team was telling me today, like, yeah, there's not a lot of practical things we could talk about fantasy wise at this point. I don't care. I want them doing draft content immediately 
be, and they will be doing it. And it actually will be the, the same class of quality content we're doing, uh, not on this show in general at Football Outsiders. So go over there, footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe and get in the mix now because we're going to be doing a lot of fun stuff this draft season, the off season. It's going to be a year round thing, much like this show is. Uh, but Pete, divisional round recap. And we got to talk about the game that you did see the Chiefs eliminating the Bills 42 36 in overtime win. Uh, Travis Kelsey TD is the one there. They gave it a little review, but his feetsies got in. So good to go there. Mahomes goes 45 yards and 13 seconds to get the game to overtime in the first place. Overall, throws for 378 yards and three touchdowns plus runs for 69 yards on its and a TD on seven rushes. Tyreek Hill goes nuts. The heel, not a concern for him as he caught 11 balls for 150 yards and a touchdown on 13 targets. Travis Kelsey it catches him his own way, 96 yards and that touchdown on nine targets. And CEH and Jarek McKinnon, a timeshare and split the backfield with no Darrell Williams in tow. We'll talk about the Bills side in a second here, Pete, but the Chiefs, I feel like, it's a team that all year long, the, the Vegas odds were not that great on them winning the Super Bowl. We talked on some shows about how this is probably the best bet on the board. And they've come through in a way where I think people have kind of just, I wouldn't say soured on the Chiefs, been down on them throughout the year because I think there's just an, an inevitability to them that some other teams right now in the NFL don't have. And we saw that on full display where we're going to talk about the Bills side in a second. I am crestfallen for every Bills fan out there. I know a uh, good pal, Mike Leonia, one I'm sure has uh, had a few drinks for himself <laughs> to wash the pain <laughs> off. But the Chiefs, I just feel like they are the Thanos of the NFL right now. They are that gatekeeper where you have to overcome them to have a shot at winning the Super Bowl. And, and clearly the Bills couldn't do it. Yeah, it did feel like public sentiment heading into this weekend was uh, people wanting the Bills to win this. And I do think the Chiefs have maybe just fallen into that territory, kind of similar with some of the LeBron stuff, where people just get bored by the dominance and how good they are. And we kind of take for granted that Mahomes, Kelsey Hill is like one of the most insane offensive trios we've ever seen in the NFL. So we just naturally, you know, take it for granted and want to see other new exciting things. And the Bills certainly, you know, fit that uh, this year. So yeah, I, I wanted to see the Bills in the Super Bowl, but man, it is, it's hard not to get excited about the Chiefs when they are firing on all cylinders, getting this rematch against the Bengals. We saw that game blow up uh, a few weeks ago when they met. So uh, I think this is going to be a super fun AFC championship game, but you could even see, and we're going to talk a little bit about the line. I mean, it opens up Chiefs minus seven right out of the gate. So uh, we kind of said that whoever won this game was going to probably be the favorite for the Super Bowl. And I think that uh, definitely continues. In some ways, definitely felt like this was the AFC Championship game, and that's no disrespect to the Bengals, who I think are live, but certainly uh, feel a little bit too soon for them to maybe overcome the Chiefs. The Chiefs, to me, are just the best team in the league right now, and a team that um, you know, even when they are kind of slow rolling it throughout the regular season, that they have that extra level to go to, that they can just pepper Tyree Kill with targets, and he can sort of push himself a little harder. Travis Kelsey, I think we talked at some points throughout the year, maybe he is on the other side of the hill in a way that's not great for fantasy, but still has more than enough to get through the playoffs, and that's without even touching the Byron Pringles. They got a little bit of work for McKinnon, a little bit of work for CH, but really didn't uh, fully blow those guys out and kind of kept them safe as well. So I think there's a level they can get to beyond where they are right now. And I don't even know if they're going to have to do that with the run they're going to have for the next few rounds. But the Bills side, I think we need to talk about because it just bummed me out a lot. Josh Allen, 329 yards, four touchdowns, plus 11 carries for 68 yards his way. Gabriel Davis goes absolutely nuts. Eight catches, 201 yards, four touchdowns on 10 targets. And then Stefan Diggs, the guy who all the memes were about, he's last year on the Chiefs field, stayed behind, watched them celebrate. This year, he was going to come back, play angry. Instead, he gets three catches for seven yards on six targets. But the Gabriel Davis blow-up, I feel like, Pete, we got to talk about because our pal Arif Hassan, every time Gabriel Davis has ebbed the right way, Ever since we did that show with Arif where I mentioned Gabriel Davis playing like trash, he was playing like trash. He has now emerged as a guy that I don't know how they bring back Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders. If I'm the Bills, I feel like after this game, just try out Gabriel Davis as your number two and try to build somewhere else. Yeah, no, I... The Gabe Davis performance was incredible. It also makes me a little frustrated because they had, you know, they were giving him a full set of snaps uh, early on in this season, and he was kind of buried. They did the whole Emmanuel Sanders experiment, and it is ironic sitting there seeing uh, Gabe Davis, much better version of what they wanted Emmanuel Sanders to be, and Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is a much more explosive, dynamic version of how they were using Cole Beasley. And you start to wonder, this team was this good, and they were maybe not even using their optimal configuration at two of their wide receiver spots this season. So yeah, it was sweet to see uh, Gabe Davis pop up. And it also seems like a good time to uh, to mention the good news and the bad news about our underdog team that we drafted. Spags, <laughs> the good news is... 
We yeah, finished we first in our group, uh, 126.36. Next closest was 117.12. Of course, the Gabe Davis, 48.1 points on there. Absolutely massive. The bad news, we head into the next round with only Eli Mitchell and Debo Samuel left on our <laughs> roster. I was definitely thinking about it too because that lineup had Aaron Jones as well, right? It did. Yeah, so we had we were built really well for the divisional round, and if the Bills had snuck out that game, I think we could have actually had a team that won it all. Yeah, the only knock on our team would have been there was a ton of Bills onslaughts that were advancing, so you could mm. start to wonder like what would have been our really unique pieces. But hey, we're we're still making money on this lineup, uh, which is nice. So here was the team, the Josh Allen, Aaron Jones, Eli Mitchell, Chase Edmonds. We lose those guys. And then Diggs, Debo, Dawson Knox, Gabriel Davis, Christian Kirk, Cole Beasley. But man, 48 points from what was probably our second to third last pick in that draft. Yo, that was a, I mean, look, we did the show, the draft live on the show. It turned out about as well as it could besides the Bills not winning. And I think the one thing that we might've had going for us was not having Singletary in this, where we did go different directions at running back. And maybe yeah. that would have been a differentiation point. Um, and also, uh, I guess uh, we're missing no Sanders either. So and that could have been part of it, but it is tough. Cause that was actually the first thing I thought about too. Cause I really felt like we were live when the Bills looked like a shoe in to win. And then, and not, not quite so much. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we would have been we would have been in really nice shape there with the Buffalo San Francisco potential uh, final. There would have uh, that would have been the nuts for us. And Kyle Davis, so we saw our our bad news. Kyle Davis, so last Mahomes CD flipped him from negative one k to positive nine hundred dollars. He loves the overtime rules. I think that is the one thing that we leave this game with really feeling. I just think it sucks. And this has happened now a couple times in these games where Mahomes is on the other side of that at one point against the Patriots, where it just didn't get that overtime drive and the Patriots ended up putting them away. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of like not seeing the other team get a chance, like at least a kickoff. It doesn't have to be full college rules, but it, it just bums me out that Josh Allen playing the best game of his life, I think, on a big stage. Um, certainly, you know, Gabriel Davis getting him there in a major way too. He deserved a shot to get a possession to at least tie it up or something. And it just sucks that like you could lose that game, you could play the game of your life, and it's just out of your control whether you have a chance to even uh, make it you know to the next round or not yeah I know I'm like of two minds about this because scrolling through Twitter and it's just like the discourse on the overtime rules is so exhausting uh on the other hand you know this version of the NFL is now constructed to where the best offensive in the league is going to beat the best defense like that's just how things are set up for the really incredible passing games to succeed so if that thesis is true and i think it is then you are willingly saying like when the two best offenses meet it's just whichever one gets the ball first that it is going to win so um i do think they should should take a, a look at it I don't know. I just like the conversation around it is, is so exhausting and everyone making the same points. I don't know if I have anything interesting to add other than, you know, sometimes that's how football works. Like sometimes mm -hmm. you do have to flip a coin uh, and there isn't necessarily the most equitable way to, to do it. Yeah, I don't think our soapbox is big enough to get us there anyway. I just wanted to chime in that I feel really bad for Josh Allen and the Bills yeah. fans who I think deserve better. They care so much about that team. They're coming out in the worst weather in the country, really, uh, for some of these games. And I, it bums me out. I am not a Bills fan. Um, I'm not you know, not against them either. I've been a Josh Allen guy since his rookie year where nobody thought he was going to be good. But I do think at this point, I just feel bad for them. And I, if you are a Bills fan, you're watching the show, just know that I'm pouring one out for you right now. Uh, what are the Bills doing the offseason? I think we kind of already said it, Pete. I think you let Emmanuel Sanders go. You let Beasley go, you know, break. I, I don't know the contractual things with Gabriel Davis. I think he's presumably still under team control and as Isaiah McKenzie as well. But I think maybe you get in another slot receiver to compete with McKenzie. But I think building around these guys, like they should still have enough. I guess you could make some questions about Stefan Diggs with how he regressed this year. But this Bills team, I feel like you just run it back and get Tredavious White healthy, maybe make some improvements around the edges. And you just got to hope you could overcome the Chiefs. And that's basically it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they need to do, you know, much as far as you know reconfiguring or even retooling i mean i think this team is built to for deep postseason runs as long as josh allen is healthy um and just seeing you know stefan diggs i think we all agree is one of the best wide receivers in the nfl but they aren't even as reliant on him in the same way the chiefs you know were reliant on kelsey and hill to really take them you remove one of those guys things start to fall apart you look at the bucks and i mean tom Brady. 
Tom Brady trying to complete, you know, third downs yesterday without a Godwin or AB there, it was looking rough. He was, the blitz was coming. He didn't have time to get it out. So it does make you think um, the bills are unique in this situation where obviously Stefan Diggs makes them a, a great team, but the way that they are able to spread teams out and allow Josh Allen to find the open guy or just take off and run, uh, I think makes them a really unique team uh, in a way that they're not as reliant on an alpha as some of these other offenses are. Yeah, and Josh Allen, too, I think the ability to run that he doesn't now have to do every single game during the regular season and can save for these big moments, like I think is something that I, I really feel for the Bills fans out there, and I hope that they just run it back, and I don't think they're going to change too much. Devin Singletary getting work down the stretch as well, really uh, seizing that role, I think a positive, even though he didn't have the greatest game either. Uh, they clearly are onto something there. It's just a matter of getting a little bit more lucky with the draw, maybe getting the seeding so they don't play in Kansas City and can actually get Kansas City to come to them. Um, there are some ways, I think, that they don't have to change a whole lot and be more interesting. Uh, we're going to work in reverse order with the games. Let's talk about the Rams game that Pete talked a little bit about there, but the Rams eliminate the Bucks 30-27 on a game-winning field goal in regulation after a mostly impotent start, but a big late push by Tampa Bay. Cooper Cup leads the way he is on the thumbnail for good reason. Nine <laughs> catches, 183 yards, and a touchdown on 11 targets. Matt Stafford throws for 366 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Cam Akers nearly blows the game with two fumbles, four, uh, 24 carries on 48 yards. But Pete, my most liked tweet in a while, making the easy Cam Akers Achilles heel joke. So real peak level engagement on that one. If you want to pull it up, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be shamed or ashamed by you uh, because 300 plus likes on that one. I had to mute the conversation because I got tired of people replying. Wow. Hey, this is uh, you know, I wasn't on Twitter a lot this weekend, so I, I missed this bags. Let me see what we're working with here. Tell me you didn't pin this. Thank you. You didn't pin this. No, no, it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't that much of a hit, Pete. It was an easy one, got out in time. But look, I'm trying to trying to tweet a little bit more, trying to get the engagement up for the sake of this show and my own uh, my own dying on the vine content career. So I think that's getting a 300 like tweet. Can't be mad at it. Let's get the let's do it. Oh, <laughs> Oh, uh, so <laughs> but honestly, it'll get surfaced one more time for people. Maybe it gets up to 400 yeah. likes. You know? Little, little bump for you. We're, we stretch goal to 350 likes. But yeah, there was a. I thought the Cam Akers thing was a downer, and you know, I might have been fueled a little bit by having 75% Cam Akers on the Sunday slate, and he got the work, he got the targets, he got everything, just wasn't good enough. Leonard Fournette on the other side, we'll talk about in a second, uh, did a little bit better, but I just feel like Cam Akers, I don't know how to approach him, and I think we need to talk about it heading into next week. Can they trust him, or are they just going to go Sony Michelle's way like they did at the end of that game? Yeah, I... I mean, Cam Akers has looked, uh, has looked good to me. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with his recovery. And I mean, we, uh, I guess we can talk about it a little bit too with the, uh, the Titans, but even Derrick Henry, I think there was maybe a little bit of rust there. Just didn't seem to have quite the, uh, the same explosion, but yeah, all of these backfields continue to be in flux. I think same, even with the McKinnon and CEH stuff, um, you know, McKinnon didn't separate this game in the same way he did from last week. So yeah, uh, I, I think the Rams are in a pretty good spot uh, with their running game, but it was, I thought they were really well coached in that for the most part, they did get in their turtle shell a little bit after Stafford dropped that uh, that snap that led to uh, a fumble there. But I like that they just said, hey, the Bucs are a pass funnel. Their run defense is good. We're not going to really mess with this, and we're just going to try to beat them with all these quick crossers and stuff like that. So I thought they kind of called a good game plan relative to, to the Bucs' strengths. Yeah, and I, I'm just honestly, I think we need to see some news throughout the week where if they are going to, uh, you know, say maybe that they're going to go more towards Sony Michelle. I think going into this weekend, DFS wise, I'd be a little more mindful of um, watching the ownership there. And if Cam Akers is low owned, people are going to be down on him. I would play more again and hope that he doesn't get as unlucky with those two fumbles where his head's being driven into the ground on one. The other one, uh, maybe less of a case for being unlucky. But overall, I just feel like Cam Akers is going to be in a very important play if you're playing DFS next weekend, whether it be the showdowns or the two games slate on Sunday. So um, definitely one to watch the news and the tea leaves throughout the week. The other question I'm going to ask you, Pete, and I I think the Matt Stafford thing we could talk about, we've been mostly bullish on him. So I don't think we need to walk that back. I've never been worried about his pedigree and his, him wilting in the playoffs. I think it's a situational thing for him where he's now in the right spot, but Cooper cup, greatest white wide receiver ever. Like I think it's, it's gotta be the argument now, like best receiver in the league potentially, and maybe greatest white wide receiver ever. Yeah. I was fielding these questions from some of my uh, college buddies over the weekend who don't follow the NFL too closely and were just absolutely uh, shocked when they heard that Cooper cup was the, the best wide receiver in football this year. And it was funny kind of 
thinking watching him versus like Devonte Adams last night, you know, where, or on a Saturday where Devonte Adams, some of those catches, he was like grabbing off the ground with just fingertips, those low throws. And you kind of see, like, you understand why he's one of the best guys where it's like Cooper cup. I mean, it's almost like you, all the stuff he does, doesn't make it into the frame of the camera. It's just, you see him open and then he's catching a ball and you're like, Oh, I, I could have caught that. But yeah, the way he is able to get open and some of the, the plays that with the bucks defense, like letting him get loose, were just absolutely egregious. The one at the very end that led to, you know, that game winning field goal where it's like, all you have to do is keep it in front of you. And then Cooper cup still gets loose behind you. But yeah, he's uh he's incredible. And the fact that teams just can't take him away is, is pretty amazing. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. it's harder than, than people think to, you know, stop some of these truly elite wide receivers. And I, I think he's definitely in that conversation now. Yeah. I mean, the same day we saw Stefan Diggs get shut down and he's an absolute beast of a receiver, a physical specimen, a guy who's about as fast as anybody in the league when he is getting those burners on. And then Cooper cup is just working routes, getting into spaces between guys and then still having the speed where on the touchdown he broke, like he cut through two or three guys and, you know, poor tackling, poor coverage, sure, but he did have the burners to get through these spots, and it just felt like there shouldn't be room for him to get there. Um, a really amazing player, and they talked about some of his blocking during the game, too. I don't know the the uh, offhand numbers with that, but certainly a guy that does seem like a committed blocker when he is doing that, whether it be out of the slot or outside. Just feel like you got to give him his flowers now, whether he gets it through this next round or not. And um, On a national stage, I think he's one of those guys that uh, your mom probably doesn't know Cooper Cup, but if they make the Super Bowl, I guarantee you're going to be hearing a lot about Cooper Cup. And, and quite frankly, Pete, I don't like his beard. That's one thing I will <laughs> say i think his beard is not it's not a good look i i agree with this take because his his hair he has really good hair too and it it like doesn't it doesn't flow well like the hair into the beard it seems like it's two different styles so uh i'm with you on that one and uh, an interesting stat i included in uh the newsletter here he just passed larry fitzgerald for most yards in a season uh, obviously including the postseason so he uh he's up to 2191 yards Larry Fitzgerald was at 1977 so uh just an absolutely massive season from cup here yeah really and I think it's certainly one too that uh not over yet so we'll see what he can do on the biggest stage and DJ Richard saying that cup also lines up everywhere on the field and makes it harder to take him out certainly uh you know one of those game tape watching things that can't really account for fantasy wise but I would agree that that's certainly a wrinkle here that uh, you can't just put a well, shutdown corner on him, though. That also did not work for the uh, the Rams going against Mike Evans. Mike Evans, they did put the shutdown corner on him. And I think this is one thing where you could look at the live example. And when you hear people on shows talk about shutdown corners and how like, oh, watch out here. He's going to be on whatever player island, Jair Alexander Island. He's going to be on on Ramsey Island. Like you can't worry about it because Mike Evans, you saw start that game real slow, ends up with eight catches for 119 yards and a TD on 16 targets. Not the most efficient day, but still gets there and actually kind of uses Jalen Ramsey's aggressiveness against him to get some of those deep plays down the field. Uh, Leonard Fournette also carries the ball 13 times for 51 yards, two touchdowns, nine catches for 56 yards. Looked about as good as Leonard Fournette can coming off that hamstring issue. Tom Brady throws for 329 yards, one touchdown, one interception, 30 for 54 passing, just under duress the entire day. But I do think, Pete, the Mike Evans day, I did not see that coming. I thought Tyler Johnson was going to be getting a little more work. We did see him down the stretch before he got hurt. Got a few more targets in that last drive. Scotty Miller also got a little more work. Gronk, uh, some some bad drops, some bad plays overall. Maybe on the bad side of things, age-wise for him as well. But Evans, I really had no case to me where he should have been a guy that I was going to heavily. The projections didn't look great, but he stepped up in a way where it's not an efficient day again. Eight catches on 16 targets, not great. But overcoming Jalen Ramsey at all for a stretch, I thought was pretty impressive by him and a guy that I think a lot of us wrote off at various points throughout his fantasy career. Yeah, and I mean, Mike Evans, these past few weeks, that he kind of had to make that shift where he was almost operating as the possession receiver because they didn't have Godwin and and A.B. around. I do think that if this was a game Godwin was playing, like Godwin would have just absolutely feasted underneath. (laughs) It felt Mm -hmm. like it would have been one of those like 10 for 150 games for him. And and you saw when the Blitz came, and I was mentioning this before, but like those guys, you know, Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson, they're fine. But, you know, those guys had some drops over the middle when, you know, Brady was trying to get it out quick and uh i do think that kind of stuff added up for them um they really shouldn't have been in this game the way things went and the rams just kept giving them chance after chance after chance and uh i i do think they just had a little too little firepower you know to kind of to overcome this and, and sustain some more drives yeah, I think that basically is what it comes down to along with the special teams mistakes. The the one illegal procedure kick where they kicked it and got gave the ball up on the 40 like it felt like twice? every time the Rams Didn't he had do the that ball. Twice? 
Yeah, they, uh, actually, yes, there were two, yeah. but the one, the second one is one where I was like, are you fucking, how are they doing yeah. this again? <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. I was like, you have one job to kick the ball. I mean, we were, we were actually looking this up. We we're like, how, how, how wide do you think a football field is? Um, are you asking me for real? I, yeah. I would say uh, 15 yards, so 45 feet or so. Yeah, it's, uh, it's 160 feet, which is a little bit over 50 yards. Okay. Uh, so, I, I honestly don't know the number I just came up with. I don't know where that came from. And it was, I, the second I said it out, I was like, wait a minute, that would mean it's the size of like a basketball paint, which, yeah. is, which is not, not how football works unless these guys are somehow very tiny. And I didn't know. Well, it kind of blew my mind that it was double, like two widths is the length of a football field. But again, the guy has one job to kick it within 53 in a third yards straight down. And he, he couldn't do that twice. I mean, Horrendous. Yeah, just an embarrassing effort. There's a lot of special teams blame to go around, including in that uh, the Niners game we're going to talk about next. But just overall, just a terrible spot for them. The Bucks, Pete, what can they do here? And also got to give a quick shout out to uh, uh, OXDYL saying it's all the early mornings with Stafford. Uh, that is our girl Cooter Doodle's take. And she has been correct that, in fact, Cooper Cup, his rise as a receiver comes entirely with just sharing a little cereal with, with Matt Stafford every morning. Yes, although some of these narratives, though, took a hit because there was the one I saw, I think I saw Levitan tweeting about Dawson Knox and Josh Allen playing Xbox together. Um, so, you know, we we do have to, maybe it's, they should be having breakfast and breaking bread and, and praying and giving their daily affirmations instead of, you know, playing Halo or whatever. Maybe that's an off-season thing where we can rank these, where it's like religion, <laughs> food, video games, college friendship, like which one's the most important narratively? Because I think we could actually, we could easily stretch a full episode out of that. I, I'm sure we could make a meal out of it. <laughs> we could do a lot with that. Uh, what can the Bucks do this off-season? I think they just need to improve the weapons, like you talked about, getting depth, getting a replacement for Antonio Brown. I don't know if that's going to be Chris Godwin's recovery going well is going to be a big part, especially because I think contractually they do have a little bit of money that's going his way that you want to see him get a full recovery. But what do you think they can do, Pete, with, to make themselves better for fantasy or to give themselves a one more shot if Tom Brady does come back? I, I do think it's just, you know, they, they are definitely a team that is is old in the tooth. So they, I think when Brady you know, he's going to continue to lose a little bit. Right. And so what do you do? You just counteract that with getting him more weapons. So, uh, they probably need to find like a, an AB replacement kind of style guy, or even a more explosive running back. I think they just, if they can continue to surround, uh, him with really good playmakers, I think they're still live to, to make another deep run. Yeah, and I do think Brady comes back. There's been some rumors maybe that he would be thinking about leaving. I just, I, to me, he looked good enough. Certainly had some tough throws in that one. Certainly missed a few guys, but just under pressure like he was. Improving the offensive line as much as they can. That's obviously going to be something for every team. Uh, but yeah, skill position players, just giving him some room to operate would be very helpful. And that could come with either more talent on the offensive line or at those skill positions. Uh, the Saturday game is less appealing, but let's talk about them. And if you're watching live or after the fact, help us out. Hit that like button. Helps us combat the YouTube algorithms and all those things that uh, keep quality content like this from not getting on people's home pages so please hit that like button and subscribe to peach channel and the splash play channel if you can but the niners snuck by the packers 13 10 in a game that was honestly incredibly boring we had people over uh fellow parents pete doing a, a parent hangout at the house talking about just having kids and stuff and very nice time i have to say but like not the kind of hangouts i've, I've grown accustomed to Wow, I think we had uh, pretty different experiences uh, watching that game. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, thankfully one where I was able to pay attention to our guests because the game was so hideous to start. Ends up being exciting down the stretch, but Jimmy G throws for 131 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. I got another another decent engagement uh, tweet, Pete, but you don't have to look this one up because it wasn't quite as good. I did say we would uh, disavow Jimmy G from being Italian if he didn't throw for 100 yards. He did get over 130, so he is safe now. He's um, not excommunicated from the family fully. Do you hang on? Let me see. No, I, I do want to pull no, this stop up looking here. at all my tweets. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I get a decent engaged. <laughs> I don't like this bit. I don't like this bit at all. <laughs> but follow at Chris Spags if you want to see <laughs> want to see Pete's replies. Um, Eli Mitchell, 17 carries for 53 yards, three catches for 18 yards. Debo Samuel still gets 10 carries, but really a useless fantasy game for everybody. And it does start with Jimmy G, where I don't know that they deserve this win. The blocked punt leading to a touchdown feels real flimsy, but they got there. And I think that's really what matters for the Niners at this point. Yeah, I have a, my perspective on this game is so detached from what I think most people were because one of my buddies uh, that we met up with is a huge Niners fan from San Francisco. So we always make our group bets. And so we just, a lot, and he was just like, can I have one request that we just bet the Niner, Niners money line? I was like, I do not want to make 
this bet, but you know what? This is your team, whatever. YOLO, let's do it. So we had the Niners money line and the under in this game. So it, we were just in a state of euphoria watching this one. Then I checked Twitter after the game. I was like, this game sucked, whatever. I was like, well, if you bet on the Niners in the under, you had a, a great time uh, with this one. But yeah, it does just seem like how long can Jimmy G get away with this where the team just <laughs> continues to win completely uh, despite his play. And yeah, I mean, but what do we say? Like it was same about the Patriots and, and the Niners here too. If they can keep games close, the way they're built is to focus on their strengths and, you know, kind of de-emphasize Jimmy in the offense. And they've now been able to do that back-to-back games. If the Rams get a lead in the way that they were able to get a lead on the Bucks, like, Jimmy G isn't capable from coming down a couple touchdowns in the way Brady was. Yeah, I think that is the main thing where the game script certainly has to work out with them. I think if you see them go down two touchdowns, you can see either Jimmy G rise to the occasion and, and have that tournament upside, or you're going to see him wilt in a major way. And I think that's something that does make for uh, somewhat unique game scripts to play. Going against the Rams, though, I don't know how they can keep it as ugly as they did against uh, as they did against the Packers. And Packers, though, got to give credit to Aaron Jones, was a guy that down the stretch of the season they did kind of keep in the garage, uh, let him get healthy, but he ends up being the lone fantasy standout in this game for the Packers. 12 carries for 41 yards, but nine catches for 120 nine yards on 10 targets after AJ Dillon gets knocked out in the first half, a serviceable nine for 90 and 11 target day for Devonte Adams. And uh, the Aaron Rodgers jokes were flying on Saturday. Pete, I know you were on, you weren't on social media. You missed out on a lot of great vaccination based takes for Aaron Rodgers, but just an embarrassing showing by this Packers team. And, and one that I think neither you nor I were that bullish on the Packers this year. So I don't feel bad about from our perspective, but Aaron Rodgers getting his kind of just desserts after all of this, after really just kind of making himself into something weird down the, the home stretch of the season. I think it was a, a, a team loss that I was happy to see, though. I have to say, I feel awful if you are a Packers fan and you traveled to that game because that has to be like a bottom five experience of anything you could ever do in life. Yeah, it's still weird, like thinking back on that game, because a lot of the memorable plays for me were the Packers plays. Aaron Jones getting loose down the sideline for that huge reception. Devontae Adams making a couple of those incredible uh, catches on third down to extend drives. Um, it, it is weird to me that they they found a way uh, to lose that game. And just thinking back to even the 49ers uh, game plan tour, it was just like, run, 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 and occasionally we'll rely on George Kittle or Debo Samuel to pick up a big first down for us. And that that was all it took there. But yeah, that defense has to get credit for kind of shutting down the Packers. And we had talked about it on Thursday where I do wonder uh, if not having MBS as kind of a field stretcher to kind of help open up their offense, if that ended up kind of affecting their success there a little bit because they just didn't seem quite as dynamic as they normally are. Yeah, some bad throws by Rodgers, too, really trying to feed Adams when there were guys open underneath. I know we're highlighted a lot on Twitter. Our guy, Josh Norris, also highlighted that uh, there were, in fact, 10 men on the field during the, the field goal attempt to win the game for the Niners. So lots of things you could point to, but it does come down to just the fact they probably didn't have enough weapons. And Aaron Rodgers, I think, really, the, the game plan by Matt LaFleur, I feel like, wasn't aggressive enough. And um, when you combine all these things together, it's a tough look for the Packers. And this is really the biggest offseason question one, Pete, where what could the Packers do? They could blow this team up entirely. It wouldn't surprise me. They have some cap hell potentially that might make it tough to bring all these guys back. It feels like they should have just had more of a success with the window they had having Aaron Jones, having Devontae Adams, having Aaron Rodgers. I feel like this team, though, kind of feels like a potential everybody out besides Matt LaFleur scenario, Pete, especially if there is a political battle of some nature with Aaron Rodgers on the way um, into the offseason. But what do you think they do? Yeah, I mean, reading the uh, the Rogers quotes after the game, I mean, we already knew that, you know, things weren't, weren't great be between them heading into this season. They, you know, patched it up to get through this year. But I mean, Rogers had the quote, so many guys' contracts are up or on the brink, lots of decisions to be made. I don't want to be part of a rebuild if I'm going to keep playing. And to me, it's like, they basically have to rebuild based on their cap situation. And so Rogers has basically just said, I'm not going to be a part of this. I mean, he could barely work with the front office when times were good and they were Super Bowl contenders. How is this going to work if they are in rebuild mode? So it seems very, very unlikely that Rogers will, will still be in Green Bay here. 
And I think it'll be interesting to see what Matt LaFleur does if he doesn't have Rodgers, because I think it's very possible that he's just built a winning kind of organization. Um, and Rodgers has maybe been a, you know, an albatross. Hard to say that because he's an MVP candidate. Wouldn't be shocking if he does actually win that award. But I think it's a spot for me where I'm curious to see what the Packers can do without Rodgers being this distraction. Um, a guy who really made himself more of a distraction in the back half of the year. I think it's something that maybe they can be just this, you know, local team that everybody loves in Green Bay that has the positive momentum, positive energy, and can build, you know, Anybody, I think you or IP could honestly throw, feed the ball to Devontae Adams if he would find some way to make it work. Uh, yeah, Devontae Adams is always uh, super fun to watch. Spag, I just got distracted in the stream yard. <laughs> they now have a thing where they have background music. I just kind of want to hear what our show sounds like with a little lo-fi uh, background music to it. Okay, do we do, do want to do it for the last uh, the last recap item? Yeah. Ooh. All right. Well, we got the Bengals. I feel like now it's going to slow me down. The Bengals, house in the one seed Titans, 19 to 16, was solid but unspectacular. <laughs> Doing a jazz thing. Solid yeah. but unspectacular days for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Chase, five for 109 on six targets. Higgins, seven for 96 on nine targets. CJ Ozoma, the one who ends up in the winning lineup, seven catches, 71 yards on eight targets. Pete, what are you thinking in this smooth stream that we got going on? Yeah, real nice to see the Bengals just slide into that AFC Championship game for a rematch with the Chiefs from Week 17. This offense continues to be a pass-heavy juggernaut. I'm excited to see what Joe Burrow and co. can do in Kansas City. Is it time for revenge? Will they make the Super Bowl for the first time? Find out next week. <laughs> And Joe Mixon, of course, a man who you cannot think of anything, everything he does so smooth, whether it be on the football field, whether it be at a bar in Oklahoma, Joe Mixon does a lot of smooth musical things. And I do think, Pete, next week, the game script for him against the Chiefs could be smooth sailing if he gets that ball a lot just to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, baby. We are going to open up the lines now for some callers. Is Jamar Chase the greatest wookie, wookie, rookie wide receiver <laughs> to every play? It's either him or Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah. Man, this is sure going to be a harsh tonal shift when we go into welcome to the family after these smooth stylings of splash play in the afternoon. Uh, the Titans, we got A.J. Brown, who was the best fantasy option for your Tennessee Titans. Five catches, 142 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. Derrick Henry mostly looking like himself with that plate in his foot. 20 carries, 62 yards for Ryan Tannehill. Oh, he needs some angry music for him. 220 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, mostly killing the team, Pete, and honestly killing the vibes as well in Tennessee, I got to assume. Yeah, speaking of killing the vibes, I'm so sick of people saying I look like Ryan Tannehill, especially when he goes out there and throws three interceptions and looks like a total dunce. I'd really like to disassociate my brand with Ryan Tannehill. Thank you for listening. Right, let's start. Can we turn the music on? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, the Bengals, look, I think we're going to talk more about them later in the week. The Titans, what do they do this offseason? I think it has to start and end with getting rid of Ryan Tannehill, you would think. Yeah, what is his contract situation? I think that, I feel like they re-signed him to something in the offseason, but let's look up this. Uh, what is that contract? Sports spot track, spot track. Ryan Tannehill. Um, I feel like they gave him a payday recently, so they might be in some sort of cap hell. Oh boy, it's actually the Google results are not looking good. In 2022, he's going to earn oh, a base yeah. salary of 29 million. Uh, he can't. He can't be cut. It, it's way too much dead cap. He's locked ooh. in. Boy, I, I, can they bring in cheap competition? Can they bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick if he's somehow healthy? Can, like, what do they, what do they even do? It's that's awful. Yeah, it says the potential out is in 2023 would be an 18 million dead cap hit. <laughs> yeah, this is they're they're stuck with Ryan Tannehill. It sucks because like you saw in that game, like he finally had to really force the ball to AJ Brown and still again, not high efficiency there, but AJ Brown looked like an absolute monster weaving in between traffic to get his one touchdown and just in general throughout that game. And it just makes me sad. Another team that feels like the windows maybe closing for this particular iteration, Derek Henry forcing himself back in looking, you know, like good enough, pretty close to his normal self. But I just think the Titans, like if you can't get more out of Tannehill and he doesn't have the confidence or, or the competence to really throw it downfield and get it to his biggest playmaker in AJ Brown I just don't know how they could do any more like they were the one seed I know football outsiders we had them as the worst DVOA team to ever be a one seed and it sucks because they clearly have the potential to beat quality competition just in the playoffs if it's coming down to Tannehill versus anybody in the AFC who one of these juggernauts I just don't know how you could have any faith in them yeah we have Joshua victory lapping a big six for 62 <laughs> line uh from Julio Jones yeah the other thing too with with Henry is we didn't see the explosive play and that had generally been the hallmark mm -hmm. of this Titans team uh, when they're really rolling, it's like 
Henry beats you down, you know, carry after carry, four yard, four yard, and then rips off a 30 yarder or a 35 yarder. Um, he just never was able to get in a rhythm. And it was actually Dante Foreman who had the big run uh, for them yesterday. So, yeah, I don't, this Titans team was weird. It felt like they definitely overachieved at least the seed, you know, relative to how they played. Um, and I do think they were kind of ultimately, and again, Joshua, plug your ears, like lacking, you know, secondary playmakers. Um, they really relied on uh, on A.J. Brown in the passing game. And both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones missed a lot of this season. So I do think you can do the what-if stuff. You know, if everyone's healthy, uh, you know, if Derrick Henry doesn't have a steel plate in his foot, you know, could things be different? But we were talking about it before the show where this felt like, uh, a tough spot for the Bengals in a game where the Titans things did set up for them to win and to basically lose to the Bengals when all they're doing is scoring field goals and they only have a couple explosive plays. Like that's about is all you could ask for as, as a Titans fan, they basically got the type of game that they should normally win. They weren't going to win a full blown shootout with the Bengals, but you think they could win a field goal fest with them at home. And they weren't even able to do that. Yeah, I think this was sort of the game script that could result in them winning. Evan McPherson was a beast in that game. I'm sure people saw that that clip of him from college spinning the Gatorade bottle cap off enough times this weekend. But um, he's a monster kicker, and he told Joe Burrow we're going to win this game right now once they got set up for that long field goal to win it. Like It still was the game script, though, that they could have won. It just took one or two more touchdowns for them to get there, and they just couldn't get them. So I agree, and I think Derek Henry talked about it on Friday show or Thursday show. Um, just coming off a foot injury, like probably couldn't be peak condition for himself, couldn't do the cardio he needs to do to get where he needs to be. Uh, because of it being a lower body injury. So that's the kind of thing that unfortunately can just be the narrowness that helps them not get through. And unfortunately for the Titans fans like this could be a window closing if they don't do some uh, really clever outside the box moves. I don't even know what they would be. Pete, time to welcome some people to the family so we can make some bets and do some underdog. Are you ready? Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. I'm gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here, get in here. We haven't been getting any time recently, but we're back. Welcoming some peoples to the family. Oh, dude, it feels good to be back. It's been too long. Everybody wants this Nana Pete on this show. It's, hey, get the get the Splash Bros back here to welcome some people to the family. Yeah, we got to celebrate some Italian culture this weekend. And I got to say, I'm going to start it off for us, Pete. And I hope you got some guys ready for yourself. But I'm going to take one off the table right now. A man who almost lost his Italian status this weekend. Instead, he's getting welcomed back in the family. 131 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Jimmy G, you are welcome to the family. Because you know what, Pete? It's a thing that people don't realize about being Italian. It's not about success. It's not about being the best. It's about being resourceful. It's about getting through it's about get scraping by as best you can and jimmy g he got the results he got the nut he advanced he won money for you and your pals i mean come on what deserves a welcome to the family more than just overcoming adversity to get to mediocrity i will just say jimmy you are still welcomed in the family it's more like you get to stay in the family but i want you to know you're on thin ice i'm telling you if you try to slander our good country, our family name in this NFC championship game, I'll have no problem tossing you to the curb, okay? I'll tell Trey Lance to come inside. We'll give him a kissy kissy and we'll shut the door on your face, Jimmy Garoppolo. You're on thin ice. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo no is what I'll say if he blows next round. But for now, he's hanging in there. He's alive. He's keeping our Niners' best ball teams maybe vaguely competent, but probably not at this point. Either way, Pete, he's staying in the family for one more week, and maybe he gets excommunicated next week. You got anybody you want to welcome for yourself? Yeah, dude, I got to welcome this guy on the Buffalo Bills. Gabe, the babe, Davis ah. coming here. Gabriel Davis, eight receptions, 201 yards, four tutties. Four tutties. Some guys will go an entire lifetime without scoring four tutties. And my man Gabe the Dave just puts his two giant meatballs on the table and hangs them out the dry while we all slurp up those big meatballs. And Gabe the Babe Davis, I want to give you a kiss. 
Gabe Davis, meatballs full of garlic, and he was actually going to be the guy that I welcomed to the family as well as this is going to really throw a wrench in our usual two-per-segment bit. But Gabe Davis, I will say, I talk shit about him on the show. Our pal Arif Hassan over at the, at the Athletic over there, emerging with the New York Times. New York, of course, is Italian as can be, so Arif by proxy now, a proud Italian-American himself. And he is, you know, he was right in saying I did shit on Gabriel Davis, but in Italian culture sometimes, and this is what my, my grandma used to do, my great-grandma, you got to break out the wooden spoon sometimes when the kid's acting up. And that's what us talking negatively about Gabe Davis did. He watched this show. He went back to the lab, got to work, and emerged as quite possibly the best receiver on the Buffalo Bills, Pete. So a little whack of the wooden spoon for Gabe Davis. And I think we could take full credit for his success. That's right. That's right. Even though some people might have wavered their faith, I never did. And now Gabe Davis is a permanent member of the familia. And uh, you got anybody else you want to do pizza? Maybe stall for some time, or it might get part gossip cast. We both we he got double welcome. He deserves it with two hundred one yards. Oh, you know what I'll say? I wanna I wanna welcome whatever coin they flipped to do the uh the overtime toss yesterday for Casey. I'd like to welcome that coin into the house. Okay, I did set up a little small placeholder for the coin. It's actually a little coaster, and I'm just gonna sit the coin down. And he does get to partake because I don't know if you heard, but that coin was like a big part of the outcome of the game. And so I would like to officially welcome the coin and the coin toss to the family. And also the coin, the referee probably had some red pepper on his hands for the slice of pizza he got at halftime. So uh, the coin, basically Italian at that point, contributing, uh, maybe even a little point shaving. Maybe somebody got the coin in advance and said, hey, if you help the, the Chiefs get the ball here, I'll slip you a little bit under the table. And that's about as welcome to the family as you can get, Pete. Um, I will throw out one more welcome to the family. And, now, and this is off the top of my head. Didn't do no prep works at all. Wow. But Odell <laughs> Good crazy, shit, right? Spags. Good shit, Spags. <laughs> Odell Beckham is a man. And I'm going to welcome the family. And here's the thing with Odell. I think he just needs to get welcomed into families. He needs to feel love. He needs to feel like he's a part of things. Give him some touches. Give him some end zone looks. Just do what Baker Mayfield outright refused to do for him in Cleveland. And that's what the Rams are doing for him now time and time again. So I'm going to show him that love here in the hopes that he offers up just a little bit of leverage against our boy Cooper Cappuccini next week. And he gives them a little bit of a chance to DFS beat. I think Odell, if we believe in him he'll believe in us much like thomas the tank engine i did really like that cash that odell beckham had near the sideline and he was holding Don't it up on his butt. dude he was trying i mean it was a simple cash but then he's like how do i make this look like it was much harder than it was and he goes <laughs> like this and that's why i love him come into the family odell you got anybody else you want to do you just want to end this bit and do some betting i just would love to end this bit <laughs> end this bit hit that outro Welcome to the family, CD. Chepale, what balls on this guy, Amaro? Shit, he's gonna take an eternal dirt nap any one of these days. Get out of here with this shit. Lauren, the Ferrari, back in my garage. Welcome to the family. I'm gonna welcome you to the family. Get in here, get in here. Uh, it's just, you know, like, wasn't a lot to welcome to the family there, people. It's just nice to be back. It's nice to have the boys back in the show. Now what I so right now with the StreamYard, they only have preloaded background music, but um in the fact that one of their preloaded option isn't, you know, Italian feast, uh is upsetting to me. So, you know, we're we might not be far away from being able to have our Italian music underneath that for the entire segment, which sounds like a real treat to everyone. <laughs> StreamYard, look, if they know what they're doing, there's a lot of streams out there trying to do good Italian segments for themselves out there. So maybe get get some good stuff. FF Doom saying good uh, shit specs. Thank you. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't mind if this became a show bit and people are just yeah. like seemingly nice to me, even if they don't really mean it. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, every every time you say something in my head now, all I can think is good shit, Spags. <laughs> uh, I'm actually, your reply is getting likes on the tweet too, which is good that people are watching this show live and engaging, but <laughs> it's just, it's a non-tweet that you're going to, you're going to get more likes than me just replying to good shit, Spags, I think. <laughs> No, you could you could ask Davis and uh, Jack Settleman about uh, you know it, the the ratio. It, the the ratios are fun. I care more about my replies than I do my own tweets, just because I know how much it hurts the original poster. 
that is not a fair point. Uh, let's, uh, Pete, you've talked about Underdog and the Battle Royale format. And this is one, you know, we are officially partnered with Underdog now at Football Outsiders. And I think with Splash Play 2, we might have the promo code Splash Up right now where you get a deposit match up to $100. I, I don't think it's been, I don't, I don't know. I think it's been set up yet by our guy, Andrew. But uh, try it out on Underdog. See, deposit $100 for yourself. We're playing Underdog a lot. And I know, Pete, the Battle Royale found, format, we're not going to have the playoff best balls, which are quite as vibrant as we've been doing the last few weeks on the show. We wanted to see the different game types. And I know you're about as good of a spokesman for what they're doing over at Underdog as, as people at Underdog themselves. Yeah, I, w- I would do during the season for a while on my Sunday streams, I would do one of the uh, the battle royales. Obviously, as the season goes on and we don't have as many teams, uh, the drafts, there aren't just as many options, um, but they do have the uh, the championship Sunday one up with 100K in prizes, which is still a, a pretty nice prize pool, 20,000 to first. So uh, I don't know, we could uh, hop in here early and uh, and get some takes off. Yeah, let's do it. I think, and that's, you know, the thing that I like and really, you know, what this show I think is evolving to for us where um, our, our mutual pals uh, doing some fan control football stuff, the USFL we've talked about on here. Uh, Pete, we are going to find ways to gamble and participate in fantasy around football, no matter what's going on. An underdog makes it about as easy as anyone out there. Yeah, I uh, it, it was funny this weekend getting uh, a few of my other friends hooked on it. And, you know, a couple of them, one of them's really into MMA. So he's like, holy shit, now they have the MMA and the pickums. My other buddy is a huge soccer fan and they have the, the soccer pickums. And now they're both, they're kind of upset at me too because they're like, holy shit, I'm already addicted. This UI is so good and it's way too easy to uh, to fire off bets. So yes, uh, lots of good testimonials in the underdog streets these days. You're just going to them like, hey, you want a little taste of underdog? You want to try yeah, this? Out? No, no, no. <laughs> it's the full crack it. dealer mode for you. Oh yeah. Um. So this one, our, let's see, our settings here. Six rounds. Um, there's only four people in these, and the roster: one QB, one running back, one two wide receivers, one flex, one tight end. And every there's no like best ball element. They all count toward our our starting. Uh, okay. Interesting there. So yeah, uh, Frank saying Pete's he's got the ratio Schadenfreude. Uh, wait, how do you how do you say that? I actually don't think I've ever said that word out loud. I've read. I it always in many say books. Schadenfreude, but I don't even know if that's correct. Schadenfreude. I think it's <laughs> Schadenfreude. When it, the, the dictionary definition is Schadenfreude is when you gain pleasure from someone else's misery. Our new characters are German and they take this football thing very seriously. What I always say is there's a German word for everything. Um, honestly, we might need to revisit that. <laughs> Just, that all of our impressions sound like shitty Schwarzenegger impressions. <laughs> um, all right. Who are we, who are we taking? Um, okay, so Co- our boy how, Cooper how, Cup is gone. Cup uh, and Mahomes going first. I mean, I'm even fine loading up on uh Tyreek and Kelsey if we can get them both. Okay, uh, I was gonna go Bengals, but I think okay. that might be me chasing. But we can still get, I think, let's get Tyreek and then we can pick like Chase or Burrow, whoever. Okay, that works. I like, I mean, again, like this is my first time doing a battle royale. And, you know, again, that's just the fun on underdog is you can find these different. I don't even do this as an ad. Like, I just genuinely enjoy doing this on the show. Like, these shows have now become a part of my gambling fix. It is. And now we, uh, we have some, you know, I've invested a lot of my balance into, you know, splash play lineups. And so we finally have one now that is kind of going to pay, pay us back for, for all I've done here. Um, so we can't, we could go, um, It'll be tough to get both Burrow and Chase, but we could probably get Burrow and then Higgins later. Okay, I think that that works for me. I, I just want to get some Burrow exposure, just because, quite frankly, we didn't get to him once on one of our best ball drafts, and then watching him just be fantastic and have his emergence. I'm writing him off in terms of this game, in terms of how I'm processing things. But would it really shock you if the Bengals win at all? Like, I think they're actually my favorite <sighs> Super Bowl bet right now. Well, the thing that it wouldn't shock. I mean. If they get to the Super Bowl, I think they're going to be incredibly live, like on mm-hmm. a neutral field against either of those teams. Um, yeah, this is by far their toughest test, though, you know, on the road uh, in KC. And I I, I was kind of tempted to bet Bengals plus seven right from the jump. I kind of feel like that line is one that comes down to like five, five and a half by the time things close, like seven points, um, considering they beat them earlier this season, too. It just it feels a little a little rich there. 
Yeah, and I think they were also like plus 750 to win the Super Bowl. And I just don't like I think at this point, I wouldn't say it's like a pure dice roll, but like it's closer to a dice roll than that. And I think, you know, we got killed on the Titans outcome there. But I think that was also a positive bet to take and and also to play around for best ball. And I think for me with the Bengals at this point, in fact, people are writing them off. Just like just take some shares and get them for cheap, whether it be on the betting markets or in uh, something like this. Yeah. Um, okay. We are up. So yeah, I think we, I think we stick with this plan and, and get our, our burrow to Higgins stack because if for us to win this and not having chase and having burrow, I mean, Higgins probably has to pop off pretty big here. Yeah. I mean, the volume is there for him too. We know that if, uh, the chiefs certainly show the ability to take away digs, what if they do something similar to chase that probably does open up Higgins and, and, Uzoma's ADP in this uh, seem is not the best, or I guess based off the projection, I do think Uzoma though kind of interesting to pair with with Burrow as well. Yeah, it's also crazy too. I mean, I'm pretty sure in most of the gauntlet and mittens, Tyler Boyd was going ahead of Uzoma. Uh, Uzoma goes there, wow. and this was yeah. He's I'm trying to figure out what kind of their strategy is uh, right here. So we are on the clock. So we basically have the question of. Do you want to continue to stack up this game? Do we want to play like Akers or Beckham in that Rams game? What do you think? We could also go McKinnon if we want to stack up this Chiefs game. I think we'll be able to get McKinnon. I would take Akers. Okay. Because like I and I do like McKinnon, like the fact that he was well targeted here, I think in a game where they really need the win. If Cincinnati, let's say, is putting up a bunch of points, I think you can easily see McKinnon have like a you know a 10 target day. Um, I think he's an interesting play, but I feel like people will, will let him ride on the pine a little bit longer. Yeah, I'm trying to see. That's a nice little game stack there. Stafford to Cup with the Kittle bring back. The Kittle stuff is interesting. I mean, it, it was like this all season too, where his floor in a game is literally zero, but then he has a 40-point ceiling, which is just like, I don't know if there's any other player who has like that big of a um, a divide between their floor and ceiling, but it mm-hmm. does feel like if the 49ers win three playoff games, like Kittle has to go off in one of them, right? He's been such a good blocker, though, and he doesn't have the ego to be like, I don't want to block. And I think that's sort of the thorny part where it feels like they could be feeding Debo more. It feels like they could be feeding Ayuk more. Like, And instead, you know, Kittle has a real functionality to not feed him. So that's what would worry me about Kittle. Um, I was kind of hoping Odell would make it back to us. That doesn't happen. Um, we could continue with the Burrow double um, and, and toss in Tyler Boyd. I, would I could definitely... Tyler Boyd, yeah. I mean, wasn't it? Against the Chiefs last time when Boyd had that huge game, I'm pulling it up here. Um, oh yeah, he had the touchdown uh, against the Chiefs last time they played. So I, I like, I feel like with Burrow in general too, and this was true for DFS. Like when you play Joe Burrow, you double stack him because he's not going to run a ton, and you're you're just hoping for those games where he throws for you know 500 yards and four or five TDs, and we we hope that three of those are to Higgins and Boyd. And, and I like I like Uzoma. I think he's actually been pretty good. And you can make the case that he probably could have been featured a little more based on the upside he showed during the year. But I feel like in this spot, like Uzoma's going to be overvalued a little bit just because of being in those winning lineups. And I think we got the guys that like Higgins, all the signifiers were there of him having a big day. He just didn't get a touchdown. And Tyler Boyd, you know, a slot guy who has some utility. Like I think he's going to be probably undervalued relative to Uzoma. And we just saw that in practice here on Underdog. Real quick, one thing I did realize, and we were used to the gauntlet and mittens where we didn't have a tight end position, so it didn't really matter. We are truly fucked at tight end now. Um, <laughs> these are oh. these are our options. I mean, we don't have to draft one now because we're gonna have to get it with our last pick. But yeah, we didn't. Uh, we underestimated the tight end positional scarcity. Who do you want to pick? Do you want to take Michelle to get the Rams? I don't, I don't think we want both uh, okay. Rams running backs. Okay, because I, I was viewing this, I was willing to hedge a little more than we did in the best ball drafts. Just because, oh, this wait. was our our last pick anyway, so it forced us to oh, take a tight end. <laughs> oh, gray! Yeah. You didn't even get the belldozer. I mean, it it just gave it gave it to us by uh, ADP. I mean, well, hey, we stacked up the game, baby. <laughs> we did stack up the game, boy. That is uh, a little bit of an oversight. See, I didn't know the battle royale format, people. Now we know. Now we know if we do one later in the week. Yeah, you know, you live and you learn. I know. Um, I, I would have taken Blanton. At least Blanton had a TD uh, yesterday. Do you want to pull up DK Sportsbook real fast? Because I think we can burn through. I just think we should take a look at the bets because they do have some fun Super Bowl bets on there. And I know, Pete, unfortunately, you cannot bet on DK Sportsbook. But for all of our friends out there, I feel like especially now that New York is live, like I feel like we need to just look at DK Sportsbook more. Yeah. Um, also, the Bengals apparently up to plus 800 for the Super Bowl winner. They were at plus 750 yesterday. I don't get how they lost value in the market, but... 
plus 800 compared to everybody else. Like the Niners are plus 450. That I, I don't get it. I don't, the Bengals are too young. I understand that, but plus 800 with four teams left, like just take that bet. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is, it is the funnest bet to make. Yeah. Sure. yeah Cause like if they get to the Super Bowl, it's going to be through sheer force of will. It's going to be through McPherson having some fun, long kicks. Like the Bengals to me are the most fun team to root for. If, especially if you're an entertainment better, like plus EV, I think the best bet on the board was, uh, the Bengals first half line on bet. MGM was one that, uh, in terms of expected value and the probability of it hitting. Um, I would take that plus 4.5 if you can get it, uh, in positive money on bet MGM. But overall, like there aren't great bets out there. The lines are efficient. So just take the futures bet. That's the most fun. And that's clearly Cincinnati. I'm having a hard time getting into the DraftKings Sportsbook. They want me to uh, download some location plugin and all this. So Even though you're, you, not, like, you're not logged in, right? You can still view it for. Send um, me the link. link. Yeah, let me. I'll text you a link and see if you can get on there. Uh, they also have some Super Bowl futures. That oh, are never mind. I just found it. I got through without being. Uh, they they do make I it annoying because they want you to sign up and be in the ecosystem, I think. I think I'm in now. Um, there you go. Yeah, if you okay. go to NFL, yeah, you'll see. Um, go to go to the where is it? Uh, playoff specials. I think it's kind of interesting. So, like, I don't. I think this is one where if you're trying to project it, maybe you could. It just feels like it's really difficult to project. So you could probably find some value. Anybody jumping out to you, Pete, as being worthwhile here for the most playoff receiving yards? I mean, we just drafted T. Higgins. I I do think that the gap between like on a given game, obviously over a span of multiple games, I would, is this now f starting? Th is this from this moment forward? For yeah. Most playoff receiving? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think, I think that in the same way, if you were going to make a big bet on the Bengals, like somebody like T Higgins at plus 4,000 is, is pretty fun. Because I would also say like Kittle. Tyreek plus two fifty, like you know Cooper Cup at minus money. I get why he would be minus money. I just would never take a minus money bet in this kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look at like I wouldn't ever want to bet on like a Michael Hardman to have two big games or whatever. But like a Kittle at plus sixty five hundred, like again, it wouldn't shock me if you know he led the Niners in receiving these next two games out. So trying to buy low on some of these guys that we've seen done it before. I would say Higgins and Kittle would be my two favorite long shots. Um go to conference specials. People are saying that these are pretty sure it's total playoffs. I don't think so because it's only the guys that remain. And I, I guess theoretically those should be the only guys who could do it. Um let's scan through some of these prop lines. Anything jumping out here? Uh oh that's minus no Actually, that's plus money for him to throw for 600-plus yards. I would take that one at plus 150, the Mahomes and Burrow combined for 600. Mahomes and Burrow combined for 600. It's yeah, let's see. four point over under. Like so, so last time they played, Burrow had 446 passing yards, and Mahomes had 259. Yeah, so that's not yeah. even close. Yeah, that adds up to 705. Yeah, yeah. I would think even just th these guys both getting 300 each, you know, one gets 305, one gets 295. Like, that's... I, I don't know how they wouldn't pass for 600 plus. Years. I, that's a, that seems like a really nice bet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with you there. Uh, Tyree kill 50 plus yard reception. I think it's not a bad bet either. I just, I don't, I don't really like those kind of like, you know, single outcome kind of based things. I'd rather have uh, you know, a more holistic bet, but like, I like these props. Like I think these are props too, that like, aren't going to get juiced too much either way because they are, you know, a little more flimsy than just a straight player projection. Yeah, I don't like this one. Like the Mitchell and Cam Akers combined for 150 plus rushing yards just because neither of them are huge uh, or just one of them is going to be in a negative game script. And so I don't necessarily like how how those uh, correlate. I would definitely say that that Mahomes Burrow would be by far my favorite that I see on the board here. Um, go back to playoff specials. This will be the last one we look at here because we're we're over the hour oh, mark. Here, and I think here are the team futures, by the way, for oh. odds on the uh, the Super Bowl. Again, Bengals plus 800, I think, just stands out here. Like, there's value in that one. The others, to me, have most of the value squeezed out. Yeah, Bengals plus 800. Um, that's the fun one, yeah. Because I, I guess you would have to do the math, though, to be like, what? and I know this it sometimes happens with futures bets. Would you just be better off betting Bengals money line versus the Chiefs and then rolling that over to Bengals money line in the Super Bowl? Sometimes, uh that ends up being more profitable than, than betting the plus 800. Although you can get into territory where you're like, all right, I hit Bengals money line and then I get scared. And then I just, you know, pocket my cash and I don't, don't risk it in the Super Bowl. So it kind of like protects you against yourself in that regard. But uh, the Bengals, 
are plus 265 on the markets right now. Um, okay. And this one's plus 800, so it's got an 11. Okay, so it's an 11.1% implied probability here. And that's not that's not with the VIG stripped out, so it's probably a little bit different. They have a better than 11% chance to win the Super Bowl, I think. Um, yeah, I would say so. Like, maybe it's still not 25%. Like, it's not a pure, you know, one in four chance. But I think it's like 20, like 15 to 20. Yeah, that might be generous. It's probably more in like the... Yeah, 13 to 15% range would just be my gut feeling, but it's a fun bet. Don't get me wrong. Um, give me one more of the uh, uh give me the rushing leader for the rest of the playoffs here in the uh in the playoff specials. Let's see here. Uh, it's up top. Yeah, there you go. Most rushing yards. Wow, Eli Mitchell minus 125. <gasps> so they see, think he makes the Super Bowl then? See, that that one doesn't make sense. Then to me, the Cam Akers plus 450 is the really nice value there. Mm-hmm. Because they're they're the favorites. Um, and this I mean, this bet with running backs, it's gonna be like who who gets two games, right? And then you look at the running backs. I mean, Mixon ends up being the long shot, but at least you know Mixon's gonna get the touches. There's kind of uncertainty with the Chiefs, but Cam Akers by far looks like the best option out of these to me. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's not the most likely that Mitchell gets two rounds of work, and uh, he's also hasn't been a, a fantastic yards per touch guy. Um, and we saw also that last game the Rams didn't give up a high yards per touch uh, number to Lenny Fournette either. So I, I didn't I, the Mitchell bet to me, I wouldn't take that bet in a million years. <laughs> Kyle Yushek, what would happen for that one? <laughs> Do it, Pete. <laughs> Recheck location. Oh, if only you were in a legal state, we would make that bet <laughs> instantly. It is pretty funny that some, like at least use checks going to get some care. Like Miko Hardman at plus 15,000. I mean, you would basically just need uh, him to get, you know, an end around on the first carry of the game and then the rest of the playoffs to be canceled. <laughs> and just every other team is like, you know what? We're going to embrace the not running the football. Everybody's been trying to establish the run. Let's all just pass every single down. Yeah. That's um, also, I think this is something, by the way, that we might be doing more of just because we're going to keep going all off season. And I think just looking at betting lines and, and kind of breaking down what bets we would like to take are fun. So if you have any feedback, um, everybody out there, so tweet me at Chris Spags, tweet Pete, uh, tweet us at Splash Play Pod, because we want to do betting content and we want to just keep betting on football and looking at these things all year long. And uh, Pete, if you have any feedback, too, let me know at Chris Spags. Yeah, um, my only feedback right now is just good shit, dude. <laughs> Thank you, Pete. What are what are your plugs here? I feel like you must be adrift in the world now. No showdown crams. Uh, I guess you still have, you know chip chasing and all that going on. But what are the plugs? Yeah, no no shows tonight. I'm excited uh, to. I'm gonna go to the gym. I have a lot of beer and pizza and burritos to uh, to start to burn off. Um, but yeah, I'll be back. Club Top Shot Tuesday. Ship chasing and lulls on on Wednesday. But yeah, things are things are slowing down a little bit. Uh, and I'm I'm excited for this this next stretch here where we we're, we're not going away, but uh, you know we're not going you know full throttle ten streams a week, which will be a nice change of pace. Yeah, we're just having a little fun here. Make sure you're subscribed to the Peach channel. Make sure you're following Pete at Peter Overzet. Also subscribe to the Splash Play channel. Follow at Splash Play Pod. And also follow at Chris Spags here for those high engagement tweets uh, that are mostly coming in the form of Pete's replies. <laughs> Anything else you want to say here or are we done? No, I think we're done. Good shit today, Spags. Mm-hmm.